want to thank our sponsor, Flight Club Spirits, which is an aircraft-inspired collaboration between contemporary artists, graphic aircraft, and the internationally award-winning Defiance Distillery. They produce eight different types of aviation-themed gym and rum, each with a different iconic aircraft pictured on the bottle to suit all different types of avgeek. Make sure you head to their website at defiancedistillery.co.uk to check out all their amazing spirits and products. If you enjoy our videos and podcasts and would like us to continue putting out regular quality content, head over to patreon.com forward slash aircrewinterview where you can donate monthly and in return you will get rewards ranging from early interview viewings, bonus clips, credited as a producer and much more. Thank you and enjoy. So if you want to just do it now, Dave, and then get going. Okay. All right, there Looks we go. That's good. High octane gin. By Defiance Distillery. Well, That's the last bit of beer you give me. That sounds good. A gin with an aviation flavour has got to be a good thing. It's got a tornado on the front, so you can't go yeah, wrong, can you? Yeah, can't go wrong. <laughs> and then uh, a little bit of tonic. You're a fever tree man as well. I do. Uh, I do like the fever tree. It's uh, it's different. We'll have some uh, lemon or cucumber, but uh, we're a bit short of that today. No worries. There we go. Oh, thanks very much, Dave. It's got a tornado on the front as well, tornado and defiance dis distillery. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Eh? Not bad. Well, thanks for, very much for inviting me round, Dave. You're very welcome. <laughs> so, what we've we been up to today, you and inform all the viewers. We've been. Pretty busy. Well, I, uh, myself and Phil Keeble published a book mm. a couple of months, well, a couple of weeks ago, and it's just gone on uh, on release. Mm -hmm. And we went up to Newark today to uh, to did. actually be next to the Phantom that is on the cover of the book mm -hmm. and uh, and have a quick chat, which was great fun. Yeah. But uh, Phil and I have been trying to get together to sign the books for the first launch customers, and uh, and we managed to get together today. And I think it's the first time I've seen Phil since. Uh, well, it must have been since our days on the OCU. Nowhere. Yeah, because because uh, you're in regular contact on social media. Oh yeah, yeah, and and email and, and email, uh, telephone yeah. and all yep. the rest of it. But Phil, uh, after he left the Air Force, uh, became a vicar, and uh, he he went off to Anglesey. I was and, surprised uh, about yeah. that when I first heard that. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but did that for a number of years. But he's done all sorts of other stuff over at Anglesey, and uh, including helping out with the RNLI mm. and various things like that. But we've never got together again because of our lack of proximity. So today it was really good to see him and uh, you know um, sort of uh, catch up with old times and uh, mm -hmm. and say hello. So but he did a naughty thing, didn't he? He did. With his mask and tip. You, you tell everyone what happened. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> we thought it was a joke at first. We did, and he was quite serious, wasn't he? <clears throat> he was. The, the XV490 uh, is an aeroplane that was my aeroplane in Germany when I was on the squadron, and I was crewed with a chap called Tony Wheeler. And uh, when Mike Davy, who owns the aeroplane, found out that, that we'd been crewed together, he repainted the aeroplane in the old scheme that it wore mm -hmm. on 92 Squadron back in the day when it was our aeroplane. So our little name plaque is on the front, Flight Lieutenant Wheeler, Flight Lieutenant Gledhill at the time. And uh, sure enough, um, uh, it's right in shot whenever you take any pictures next to the cockpit. And 
and Keebs got a little bit miffed about that and decided <laughs> he, did. he didn't want Tony Wheeler to be in yeah. his shot. So uh, he got a bit of botch tape out and just yeah. masked it over. So, Tony, I'm sorry. Yeah. You're, you came down with all your, your flight gear and uh, you brought your helmets, which is cool as well. You got some yeah. nice uh, publicity shots. But uh, who was the guy who took it again? Was it Craig? Craig Sluman. Yeah, Sluman, yeah. yeah. Craig is big on social media, but he's also a very talented photographer. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, he helps me out on the mm -hmm. Tornado F3 simulator. He's mm -hmm. one of our team of volunteers. So Craig uh, was good enough to come along today and take some shots mm -hmm. from on the day that uh, hopefully we can get out on social media and uh, you know let everybody see what was going on. Yeah, definitely. So uh, what about on the book? Tell us a bit about it because obviously uh, it's people are gonna you know watch this and want to know where to get it from. What's it about? So yeah, know what's it about? Good gin, by the way. It's nice, isn't it? <clears throat> um, we decided between us, and and I think chatting to Phil today. We, we, we'd sort of both had the same idea mm -hmm. that it would be really good to look at training a crew onto the Phantom, you know, from what did you think about at school? What were you, you know, where did you start from? Uh, how did you get to join the Air Force and then get through training and all the pitfalls of going through training uh, right the way through the oper operational conversion mm -hmm. unit onto the squadron? And we both looked at it and thought, well, is there a book in it in isolation? And I think we'd probably both concluded that there wasn't. But by getting together, Keebs was able to tell the pilot's story mm -hmm. and I was able to tell the navigator's story. And that made it a much more rounded book. Mm -hmm. So we literally did, you know, what, uh, how did you, what were you doing as a kid, you know, standing mm -hmm. gawking at the, the, the airport boundary watching mm -hmm. airplanes go by. And, you know, air training corps and uh, all the way through, how did you get through selection, you know, mm -hmm. the, the basic training, the advanced mm -hmm. training. And each bit is part of the chapters of the mm -hmm. book. And uh, and I think we, we, we both have very different styles. Mm -hmm. Keebs, is, uh, he's got a great sense of humour and he's, uh, he's quite irreverent for a vicar. But uh, he, uh, he's great fun to work with. Yeah. And he's got this style that is just amusing. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, gets close to the bone at times, which I'm a little bit cautious of. But, mm -hmm. uh, but great style. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas I'm a little bit more... Um, serious maybe and uh, you know, a little bit more technical in certain areas mm -hmm. and what have you but as uh, to put the two together I think it works you know and yeah uh, definitely the, yeah so uh, great fun I'll and, be and picking up my fun. hopefully signed copy before I go home uh, yes indeed yeah. Uh, yeah but yeah so when's the last time you actually went down Newark because we were chatting in the car before this but uh, yeah did you say it was a while ago it was it was last year sometime I think it, I think it was cockpit fest back last year uh, cockpit yeah. fest for those that don't know is uh the people that own the cockpits mm -hmm. of the aeroplanes uh, get together once a year mm -hmm. at Newark and uh, uh, they have a whole weekend where they all camp out in the field mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and the guests come and see the cockpits. Mm -hmm. Some of them are work in progress, some of them are lavishly restored, mm -hmm. including the Phantom, which is beautifully yeah. restored. Best I think there is out there. Mm -hmm. uh, get together, have a great weekend and, uh, and, and the visitors come in and see them. Yeah. And, uh, but I think that was the last time I was up there. Yeah. yeah. But you uh, knackered the pin today, didn't you? I did. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mike Davies going to kill me. I, uh, I opened the canopies and normally Mike helps out on that. Mm. And uh, the back cockpit went perfectly. And then when I, I think I put the old stay that holds it upright mm -hmm. in upside down, put the pin in and couldn't get it out again. But uh, we get, we got luckily there we had end. experts yeah. to help us out <laughs> yeah. to get the pin out. But uh, we got there in the end. So I don't think I've actually asked this question directly. Why do you love the Phantom so much? Like, What, what, what does it mean to you? Well, it's your first aeroplane, therefore, a yeah. uh, first fast jet. Mm -hmm. um, therefore, it's always got a special place. Mm -hmm. um, if you looked at it in isolation, that the Phantom was, 
particularly in the back seat, it was dark, it was hot, it was uncomfortable, the view out was terrible. Did they have a nickname for there? The pit. The pit. Or the ergonomic slum. Yeah. Yeah. So you wouldn't you wouldn't choose it as a as a, yeah. a, a leader for a, a navigator's uh, little yeah. office. But having said that, the aeroplane had charisma. And and in the early days it was extremely good at its mm. job. Mm. So it was it was great fun to fly and mm. uh, you know, but but I guess I was happy when I moved on because it had kind of run its course. It was getting yeah. a little bit old and, you know, things were starting not to work. But uh, but I loved my time on the aeroplane. Yeah. And uh, it's still I've got a very fond place in my heart. So it was our, the first interview I ever did was uh, it with the uh, 490. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was yeah. uh, how many years ago? That must have been five years ago now. Good heavens, yeah. Good heavens, yeah. But, uh, Out of little fun. acorns. I know, yeah. yeah. I, think I remember I was like, when I came up with the idea, I was like, Dave Gladiel, I was like, I knew your books, and I was like, should I message him? He's no way he's going to message me back, and you were really generous, and you were like, yeah, I'll be up for that, and he was. Oh, it's great it. fun. Yeah, <laughs> having yeah. a drink with him now. There you go. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cheers. So, what have you been up to since? Um, well, I guess the book came out. Was it a couple of weeks ago when it was like actually released to the public? Have you been just typing away owl or? Well, to be honest, the the, the heavy work is just mm. up to the book release. You mm. know, you've got the editing, you've got to get it out to the company and all the rest of it and, and get it ready for publication. So that's the busy period. Mm-hmm. I think the next busy period starts now because a, a lot of people have kindly ordered mm-hmm. copies, you know, signed copies. So we've got to get those sorted out. Mm-hmm. Hence today's visit, you know, to collect the books that Phil has already signed. Yeah. And then get them out to the people that have ordered them. So, mm-hmm. uh, That'll be a busy few weeks. Mm-hmm. I'd love to say there's a world tour coming up, but there isn't. <laughs> you never know. You never know. <laughs> I'm just waiting for that movie contract now. It's not. It's not coming yet. But you haven't thought about that putting something a book into a movie, like because obviously you got like how many novels now? Because they're in the so, back, which yeah, I'll show you guys yeah. later. But you got a few. Seven novels now, and I think they make great movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the, the, I'm sure a, a company could, you know, make them into you know, good Cold War thrillers, mm-hmm. but. Uh, uh, it's it's that spark, isn't it? It's always getting that first, uh, yeah. you know, that little uh, that little break that everybody needs. But is uh, it something you th- actually thought of realistically, or is it just kind well, of I, uh, uh, oh, yeah. maybe? I put a little feeler out there with okay. a company, yeah, um, but no takers yet. But yeah. uh, you know, th- there'll be the time when the Cold War thriller about airplanes is needed, and yeah, uh, hopefully, I'm uh, I'm there to stand in. With Top Gun two coming out next year, yeah, exactly. You, you never know. What do, you so, thought, what do you think about that coming out? Are you going to go and watch yeah, it? Yeah, it's good. I, I remember when Top Gun one came out, and yeah. you know, I was I just converted onto the tornado at that time. So eighty six, eighty seven, and, and yeah, uh, it was about eighty six, I think. Mm-hmm. It was, and I remember we we had the ability to put a, an audio cassette into the data recorder, <laughs> but, but listen back. So of course, a number of people had Top Gun, you know, Danger Zone on a on an audio cassette that they'd played back in the aeroplane. Really? Yeah, allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. <laughs> did the F three have that? Yes, indeed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's more of an F fourteen yeah. kind of aircraft. So I thought that would have been more relevant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, it, it was great fun, but not terribly realistic. I mean, it, no. if you did it realistically, it wouldn't look good for the cameras. So yeah. you've got to be in close formation with people doing whiffadills and whatever. Yeah, of course. And it's a movie at the, at the end of the it, day. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a documentary. For, but, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do you ever watch um, aviation documentaries or anything like that? Oh, all the time. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Have yeah. you got like a certain theme you go for, Cold War, no, World War II? No, not at anything? all. Anything. Yeah. Um, I, I watched Spitfire the other day, which was... Uh, oh, that was on BBC4 the other day. I think it was. something, yeah. Brilliant documentary. Not watched it, I'm Jeffrey Wellham being one of the openers, uh, a fellow Cobra, one of uh, my ex-squadron, 92 squadron. Mm -hmm. uh, But a brilliant documentary, very well done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, because I always think like there's not many documentaries made recently on aviation. They all seem to be like 90s-ish. You know, there's never like a modern one. I mean, um, 
I was talking to Mike Napier, which you know. Uh, uh, we were talking about, you know, the RAF 100 documentary. What did you think mm. of that? Did you watch it? Very good. Yeah, you I enjoyed it? it a lot. Uh, I thought they did it very well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Good flavour across the years. So, uh, yeah. yeah, very happy with that. Um, I, I thought the Cold War was going to take off at one point. There was the German, uh, it, was a, it was a fictional series, though, called Deutschland 84. And, and oh, no, I no. thought that was going to, it was subtitled in German. Okay, right. I thought that was going to take off, but it had a second series, which wasn't a patch on the first. Mm -hmm. But uh, good Cold War stuff, mm -hmm. which is, of course, what I write about in the mm -hmm. novels. Yeah. So uh, really enjoyed that. But yeah, I, I, I don't have any themes. Mm. I, I, I suppose I'm a little bit more on the historic aeroplanes now, s yeah. since I started off as a Battle of Britain Memorial Flight Guide. Yeah, and, uh, which we'll come on to, yeah. There's, there's a, a, a great little theme there going. Yeah. But, but no, I, I haven't got anything. I'll watch anything about aeroplanes. Yeah, because there was that one I think I posted into the former F3 Flyers group. It was a 1990s documentary where it was F3 guys. It was like a, a mini-series. Oh, yes. What was it called? That was Five Squadron, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, Didn't I can't they, remember they what it was called. Five Squadron at uh, Maple Flag, I think it was. No, 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 not that one. It was no. like, a, it was like a, a sort of drama, but it was like... Oh, a, right. Uh, In the 80s? No, it was a 90s thing. 90s. Not Squadron. It was called like Strike Force or something. Yes. Is that... Yeah. I, I, it's the same one we're thinking of. Oh, set, is it? Set in Cyprus, where they had a fictional little squadron. There was a Phantom, a Puma, a... Something that else? One? Was that the one? It might have been, they no. They often did uh, was, wacky daring do things. Yeah, it might have been, but I watched that the other day again. Um, it was like there was a female pilot who just came in and all mm. the girls were not liking it. Uh, not, the the guys I, not, not the one I'm thinking of then. Right, yeah. That, that predated uh, the ladies flying the airplanes. Yeah, because I, I search everything, Tornado F3, and anything comes up, I'm like, click. Yeah, straight away. As you know, it's my favourite plane. But, uh, I'll, have yeah. to, I'll have to look that one up. Yeah, mm. you'll probably be embarrassed by it. It's, 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 it's horrendous, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but uh, this is probably a silly question, but your favourite plane is probably the Phantom, I'm guessing. I, I think it probably is. Yeah. 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 I mean, obviously, I would have loved to have flown other aeroplanes, including American aeroplanes, but I never yeah. got that opportunity. Although I did do two exchange tours over in the US. Yeah. So, uh, but I'm not flying tours, they were grand jobs. You never got a trip but anywhere? I didn't. No. No, sadly. No. Oh, I, 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 I should have done because I was at Nellis for three years and yeah. I, I, I didn't call in any of the uh, the markers at the end of the tour. I was I was kind of promised an F-15 ride, that which would have been, been one of my wow. accolades, but yeah. uh, I never did manage that. Um, yeah. But uh, no, there's a great guy called Skids who, uh, who who is a very experienced F-15 pilot, threatened me a couple of times with a ride and I never, I never managed to make it. No. So, uh, because you kind of did a book on that, didn't you, when you were over there? Operational, um, what's it called? Um, operational Test. Yeah, Operational Test. Yeah. Was that based kind of on that? Yeah, uh, mostly based in the UK, but yeah. a few mentions of the stuff we did in the States as well, as well at China Lake. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Nellis, Nellis is the home of the fighter pilot. Um, yeah. Now it's a little bit more politically correct, but, uh, but a great place. Massive place. It's mm -hmm. 10,000 people set on the outskirts of Las Vegas. So it anything? was a bit of a punishment tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the first uh, happy hour I did, I uh, got uh, fed by Fu, uh, Jeremiah Weed. Oh, that, Jesus. That is a Nellis special. I've, uh, I've had a few of those and it nearly blew very, my socks off. Yeah, I had one and uh, yeah, I won't be trying it again in, in, no. in a hurry. But, uh, <laughs> this gin is actually quite nice. It's very good. Yeah. Very good. But what well, do you normally drink? Um, are you more of a wine man or a spirit man? Yeah, well, hopefully we'll come on to that. Yeah, but, we will. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a red wine drinker now. Yeah. I think two tours in the States, it put me off beer. Yeah. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, you can. <laughs> I'm, I'm an ale drinker, therefore, you know, States yeah. beer is, is yeah. all lager. And I'm not a lager fan. No, no. At all. No. What's the closest you'll come? Um, 
an IPA probably. Really? Is about as close as I prefer. Yeah, yeah. I'll drink it, but uh, it's, it's not, not, your, it's your not my choice. Yeah. Too gassy. Yeah, mm-hmm. not my not my favourite. So I, I switched to red wine, and mm-hmm. uh, red wine's my tipple now. You know, Do you drink so it uh, chilled? Because uh, no, no. you, like I used to, but uh, but but hopefully I can afford a little bit more now, than, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, rather than the rock gut I used to drink. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I, uh, I I I tend to drink it room temperature now. Mm. But I, I love Chianti's and Riocas and that kind of red wine. It's yeah, uh, yeah that's my that's my favourite. But same, we'll uh, we'll probably we'll sample on. one later. I suspect. Yeah, it looks very nice. So uh, yeah. Yeah, so we were just actually just chatting there. We maybe you should do a phantom one. That would be pretty. I special. think that'd be a really good. There's a massive phantom following out there, and I think a phantom gin would uh, would go down a treat. Because they do. Uh, I think it's um, gin and rum. Which would you prefer? I think gin. Gin. Yeah. I think most most aviators probably uh, you know they they might not admit to it, but uh, yeah, they're they're gin mm-hmm. gin aficionados in the background. So yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean normally they want beer. Beer, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> everybody likes the gin and tonic. So what was it like uh, Friday night? Uh, you call it happy hour in, in the bar. What was that actually like? Was it just like a bunch of you guys just getting pissed? I well, say, yeah, it, it, was, <laughs> it, it was mandatory back in the day. Yeah. yeah, everybody had to go to happy hour on a Friday night on a squadron. Yeah, it was it was almost expected of you. But uh, time at the end of the week to wind down. So mm-hmm. people get together. So it was needed. Yeah. It was needed. Yeah, yeah. How big was the whole club or what, the officers' mess? The officers' mess. Yeah. Um, they're all very traditional. They all uh-huh. follow the same sort of standard build, and it was interwar years. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's two wings and a, and a big sort of triple arch portico in the mm-hmm. middle there, uh, and the bar is tucked just behind the centre area there. All right. But it is the heart of the officers' mess. That's yeah. where everybody used to go for a beer. Um, and uh, yeah, Friday night was the place to be. It, it was the place to be. Um, a few people tottered home on bikes afterwards, but uh, or got <laughs> taxi rides home. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it, it was great fun, and as I say, almost mandatory. In Germany, my goodness, it was the was that, it was the imagine. social heart of oh, the, yeah. the area. So uh, yeah, you spent your life in the officers' mess in uh, in at Vilnrath. Because how long were you in Germany for? Like how many years? Three years. Yeah, which is enjoy standard overall, tour. Like, yeah, 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 great fun. Yeah. Work hard, play hard. Mm-hmm. Flying was fabulous. Um, the the mess was great. Set yeah. in the trees amongst the German forest. Mm-hmm. Um, duty free booze and, uh, <laughs> and and duty free cars mm-hmm. and uh, so you worked really hard during the week, uh, and, uh, but played hard at the weekends and, yeah. and, and enjoyed it. So talk about the flying over there. Like what kind of stuff would you do? Would, was there many limits in terms of what you could and couldn't? Yeah, do? There, there were fairly strict limits, but we kind of worked to the edge of the envelope. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you if you followed the rules precisely, mm-hmm. you would never have flown because it was yeah. often very murky out mm-hmm. in the low-flying area. But we would operate in the low-flying areas all the time, mm-hmm. at low level, at high speed, chasing Jaguars, Buccaneers, Harriers. Were you allowed to go uh, supersonic? Not overland. Not uh, overland. That, that's not true. We were allowed to go supersonic overland, but you had to be above 36,000 feet. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, but that was normally a sort of a night sortie that you'd fly mm. the, the, the supersonic stuff. The, the average day, you were supposedly restricted to 420 knots, uh, the the um, the muds could do five sorry four eighty knots down to the target IP to target yeah. mm-hmm. and we were allowed five forty if we were chasing them and that was supposedly the limit. Yeah. Um, occasionally over enthusiasm came in. <laughs> it's actually quite difficult to monitor the speed if you're chasing somebody down. So yeah. But but you went you would get airborne. Hopefully a nice blue flying day. Transit out to the low flying area that took about fifteen minutes. And then once you're in the low flying area, the game was on. 
if you found somebody, you'd have a go at them. If they found you, they'd have a go at you. So it was World War Three most days. So and, how uh, how did you avoid like collisions and stuff like that? If it that was really... the problem. It was see and be seen. Right. So okay. you got very adjacent to mm. people quite often, you know, because it was busy. Mm. You, know, you think at that time, there were four squadrons at Brugge and there were three squadrons at Larborough. Yeah. There were two squadrons at Wildenrath. Uh, and then German, Dutch, and all the rest mm -hmm. of its squadrons everywhere else. It was busy in the in the mm -hmm. low flying area. You, you very rarely went out to the low flying area and didn't see anybody. Mm. You know, it was normally you know avoid really the crowds. Cool, yeah. Yeah. So what was the banter like over there between different jets and squadrons? And oh, as always, yeah, heavy. Yeah, really. Yeah, particularly Bruggen being on the doorstep four miles away. Mm. You know, the, the the Phantom Jaguar banter was brutal mm -hmm. on both sides. Did it ever get to the point where it got like nasty or anything like that, or was it always just banter? I don't think so. Um, mm. uh, we did have the unfortunate incident where we, we lost a Jaguar because um, a Phantom from my squadron actually shot it down with a Sidewinder. Mm. It, it was one of those difficult things, and it's well publicised, yeah. and, and I have every sympathy for the crew you know, mm -hmm. there, but for the grace of God and all that. Of course. Um, but the Jaguar did crash, but happily the pilot got out. Which safe, is the main thing. Which is the main thing. Definitely, yeah. Uh, lots of lessons were learned, you know, what mm -hmm. to do, what not to do. Mm -hmm. uh, so it got a little bit tense at that time. Mm -hmm. um, but aircrew are professional. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it, it, it was a, a terrible accident. Mm -hmm. But uh, both, sadly, Alistair died last year, um, passed away. Uh, but the pilot is a good friend of mine and mm -hmm. uh, an incredibly talented pilot. Mm -hmm. So he... He, he did what he was trained to do, mm -hmm. and sadly that day he was carrying a, a mm -hmm. live weapon load. But but all the pluses and minuses of that are all of documented. Of course, yeah. And yeah, yeah. So apart from that, no, really good banter. I, I remember one epic. We had a happy hour one Friday night, and uh, the Brigham Wing, we'd just had a big exercise between the two squadrons that actually I'd, I'd put together, and we decided to have a big happy hour. Mm -hmm. So the Brigham Wing, after we'd finished the flying, we had a big push on the Friday morning, um, we launched about 16 aeroplanes. The Brigham Wind launched 48 aeroplanes out into the low-flying area onto Wildhorn Range. Christ. And the target was a piano. <laughs> they had to put a practice bomb through the piano. Uh -huh. And if they did, they won. If we did, uh, or if they didn't, we won. Right. Um, so we, we launched the thing, and we had our usual balbos out in the low-flying areas. And then they did their target runs on the on the piano on Wildhorn Range. Uh, they pinged and pinged and pinged and pinged. Number 47 had missed, and we're all out there thinking, we've got it. Number 48 put it right through the middle oh. of the piano. So the broom wing like won at, <laughs> at the final stages. And oh. uh, So they, they climbed on the train at Bruggen afterwards, and the train was, there were tracks from Bruggen all the way onto the mainline tracks and then down into Wildenrath. So they came down on a train, oh. and uh, when they arrived in Wildenrath in the siding, um, they climbed off and we got the noddy train out, out for them, which was used on air days for mm. ferrying the kids around the airbase. And they brought them across to the officers' mess. We obviously served them milk, for starters, as you would for a Jaguar squadron. <laughs> but we had a fantastic uh, uh, happy hour and uh, great banter on both sides and all sorts of uh, rowdy sort of things that I won't go into. But uh, well, It sounds know. like the coolest job. I mean, would you... Yeah. I mean, looking back now, would you change it for anything? Or if you could go on a different no. path of create, never. No. Yeah, not at it seems like I, I had an absolute ball. Yeah, and all really the stuff that you've uh, got in, in the backdrop here, which yeah. I'll take some photos. Yeah. And some great stuff. But uh, I'm going to get pretty, not nerdy, I would say, but uh, I'm going to get quite kid-like. Um, so 
how fast could a clean Phantom, let's say, from takeoff to going to supersonic, how long would that take? Oh, um, uh, um, it's difficult. Um, Depending on the, weather, there's no yeah. easy answer to that. If if you if you were if you got airborne on the coast and you went out of the sea, mm-hmm. a lot of it was rules what you're allowed to do, and yeah. you had to go supersonic off the coast. So if say you're got airborne from Coldershaw and you headed up the North Sea, mm-hmm. you could hit 750 knots, which was our rules limit, mm-hmm. not before you hit limit. before you hit the coast. Okay, right. right. 750 knots was supersonic. Yeah. So you could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was quick. You're talking seconds. Maybe 60 seconds, something like that. I don't really? Know. I'd have yeah. to look in the books to work but, it yeah, out. Yeah, quick. But, but, but quick. Yeah. Um, we were limited at 750 in service, but the, air, the airframe was limited at 850 mm-hmm. from the manufacturer. Mm-hmm. And in the early days, I'm told by mates that were flying the aeroplane at that time, they were allowed to do that, particularly on the air show circuit. Mm-hmm. So 850, and, and the aeroplane would do it. You'd, you'd have to coax it there at low level, but it'd do it quite happily, um, allegedly. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you, if you wanted to go supersonic at height, though, it was a bigger challenge, because mm. above 25,000 feet, the aeroplane wasn't massively comfortable. So you had to do this sort of funny Yogi Bunt-type manoeuvre. So you'd climb to the tropopause, which was invariably about 30,000, mm-hmm. 35,000 feet. You'd then bunt over and you'd accelerate supersonic. So you'd come from 0.9 through to about 1.1, 1.2. Mm-hmm. And then you'd use that speed to zoom up again. And you'd keep the burners in and see what you got. With tanks on, you had to stop at 1.6. Mm-hmm. If you had the tanks off, you could carry on. And I saw 1.9 uh, with a gun on and no tanks. Um, but you had to work at that. You really, really had to work to get to 1.9. So all this about it did Mac 2 with the space, yeah, not really. Yeah, Probably the J would. Yeah, because you always see that, like, the book answer, especially, like, I think Tornado was, like, 2.2, but I think you said it was, that's never really the case. I think the Tornado was more capable of 2.2 than the Phantom was of Mac 2. Yeah. Um, because you could get the wings back. Mm. And what the Tornado did very well was going a straight line quickly. Mm. So it was the same sort of profile at height. Mm-hmm. But with the wings back in 67 and the, the blowers mm-hmm. going, particularly Mark 104s or Mark 106s mm-hmm. that we fitted at times, mm-hmm. yeah, you'd get Mac 2, and mm-hmm. lots of people did. Yeah, uh, It was a slippery jet. Yeah, I've heard uh, that on and, many occasions. And that was really good if you, were, if you got wrong in the fight and you were getting out, mm-hmm. you could run away quickly. So, uh, which is always good. <laughs> which is always good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if somebody's behind you with something, <laughs> a big rocket, yeah, it's always good to run away. But uh, what was the toughest aircraft uh, to fly against in the Phantom? What, what did you find that was really difficult? Um, um, I suppose probably the F-15 that in my era. Mm-hmm. I'm um, guessing the C or was it? The... It was A's when I was flying A's. in the squadron. Yeah. C's later on. Yeah. I did a little bit of work with the C when I was mm-hmm. on, an instructor on the OCU. Mm-hmm. And, and it was a good all-round aeroplane. And by then, the weapon system had matured and developed, and it had helmet-mounted sights and the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. So it was a very capable aeroplane. Mm-hmm. Not so much so in the early days, and people forget that, that aeroplanes take time to develop. Yeah, because everyone F- says yeah, the F-15 should have been our favourite jet, but I think you argued it probably wasn't right at Not that time. At that time. Yeah. We, we looked at the F-15, we looked at the F-18, we looked at the F-16. The F-16 was, uh, you know, it had two sidewinders on at the time. It was and not a, gun, a patch on the, on the Phantom. Um, although it was great in a close-in fight. Mm-hmm. And people forget that because often they compare it with two aeroplanes that have got together and are turning. Now, that, yeah, you did, that's not the way yeah, you fought yeah. the Phantom. You know, you, you held at arm's length. Yeah. So actually the important thing in combat is what would, how big is your yeah. rocket. 
Yeah. So like, yeah. so you got like how far you can see, and how far could the actual phantoms see before, you know, like the enemy would even know. Yeah, I mean, typically a phantom radar against another phantom would see 40, 45 miles, fifty miles on a mm-hmm. good day. Mm-hmm. Um, against an airliner at medium level, maybe eighty miles down the road. Against right. a bear, eighty miles down yeah. the road. Um, against a little hawk, maybe twenty-five, thirty. So it depended on the radar cross section, mm-hmm. um, and it depended on whether you're at medium level or mm-hmm. low level. Mm-hmm. Down low, lots more noise, receiver cuts back, and you don't see as far. Yeah. So it, again, it's not a simple answer, mm-hmm. but but you would say you'd expect about forty miles against another phantom, even at low level. Yeah, yeah. him at low level, you at mm-hmm. height. So what would uh, I think you? Yeah, you only flew on the spare engines. That you didn't go to the J seventy nines, the Js, did you? I, I had a few a few rides. I, I, I flew as an evaluator on the F4F, which had the J79s. Yeah. So I, I, I did have some experience flying oh, that so, particular Oh, so what your thoughts airplane. on that, actually? Which did you uh, think? Great. I mean, yeah. the, the J is... the, the That type of aeroplane with the J79 is a, a very capable aeroplane. I think the Spey... And, and people will argue with this, you know. We always have this discussion when, when Phantom operators get together. Generally speaking, most Phantom pilots probably like the J more than the M or the K. Mm-hmm. Um, but down low, the the the, the spay was incredibly um, effective. It wasn't as smoky. Um, it was more frugal. More was that what it was designed for? Like down yeah, low, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. bypass yeah. turbofan down so low. Worked, yeah. So y- you could make a th- an F4M go a long way. And what's more, if you took an F4F out to the low flying area, he'd probably go home ten minutes before you would. Oh, really? So yeah. So the, down low, the, the F4M, which was where we were using it, had the advantage. Mm-hmm. You take it above twenty-five thousand feet, and now the J seventy nine has the big advantage. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a jet. So up high, going faster, going higher, it's better. Yeah. Uh, but you'd expect that. That's, yeah, of course. That's what the the, the engines were designed for. Mm-hmm. Um, sadly, the, the thing that kind of spoiled the the F4M was the slow reheat. And it yeah, was, was it a it, couple it of seconds be, or something? Yeah. yeah. It could be up to five seconds before the reheats kicked in. I heard that before, yeah. And you needed that. Uh, so pilots were frustrated because it wouldn't kick in, therefore, you, and you needed a reheat to turn. So you kind of have so, to like think five seconds ahead almost. Exactly that. You know, if, if you're thinking about it, it's almost too late. And so that J79 was a frustration. J79 instant. Straight away. But there again, ironically, the F4K for the Navy had fast reheat. So it was instant reheat on the K for the carrier. So how did that How did that? Work. Well, it got modded out because it reduced the life of the engines. So it's a maintenance thing rather than a performance. So why didn't they do that with the REF ones? Did it just again cost? Yeah, cost. Yeah, it, it, you, <laughs> you 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 fast reheat, then the engine works harder. Therefore, mm-hmm. the engines last less. So yeah, Crikey. and and that was a that was an issue both with airframes and with engines. Mm. The airframes, you know, you pull lots of G, the airframe runs out of life quicker. So mm. you you're limited. You know, they check what the fatigue index mm-hmm. is and. You know they have to they have to do stuff. Of you know, course, it's expensive mod programs. Therefore, you're told don't pull so much G. <laughs> Getting told off. But uh, what were the F3 engines like compared to the Spears? Did you find them like a better engine in general or similar concept? But that they the the RB199 was designed for the bomber, so it was developed for the fighter. But it was designed to go a long way frugally, mm. you know, to get a, a, a bomber across to the other side of the FIBA. Um, so as a fighter engine, it wasn't great. Mm. So um, 
it, it was developed and we got, you know, with the Mark 104, we got more reheat, but not a lot of extra cold power thrust because it wasn't designed to do that. If we'd said it needed to go out to the combat area and then it needed to operate combat to tight turns at 9G for mm -hmm. five minutes, we'd have got a very different engine. But we didn't. We said it needed to go out to cap and go around in circles for half an hour. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's what you get. Um, the, we looked at putting the EJ200, the same engine as the Typhoon, yeah, into yeah. the Tornado. And it would have been brilliant. It that would, would have been. suddenly improved things yeah. massively. But it was a massively expensive program. And there were lots of design issues of getting it in there. So it probably wasn't It was smaller. It. it would have fitted. Mm -hmm. But at that stage, Typhoon was coming along. And at that stage, money for the tornado is going downhill. Yeah. Therefore, such an expensive program was never going to run. Mm -hmm. So we didn't get it. Yeah, that that was in my time in in MOD. Yeah, they were looking at that, but it was pretty obvious fairly early on that the that the people with the money strings weren't going to weren't going to pay the bill. It's a shame. Yeah, but obviously uh, the tornado went out in service in uh, two thousand eleven. Do you think it could have carried on? Mm. How, like, how many years do you think it could have carried on for? bit like the Phantom, it, it was arguably at its peak. Yeah. I mean, the Phantom in uh, 92 had loads of fatigue life left on it. It mm. had some radar updates. It had some mods for the Gulf War. So it was actually a, still a capable aeroplane. So you um, think it could have went on for maybe a couple of more Tornado years? Tornado yeah? could have gone on for another five years. I mean, the so. GR did, so that went on for a while. <laughs> My personal theory, what I have, is that the best bet would have been to run on two squadrons of the SEAD modified aeroplane. Mm -hmm. So we did some mods during the Gulf War II to, to let the aeroplane do a suppression of enemy air defences bomb. Mm -hmm. So we did some mods to allow the radar to be used as a jammer. Mm -hmm. uh, we did some mods on the radar homing warning receiver so it could see where the threats were. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, strapped, uh, we strapped alarm onto it, we strapped um, paperweight two bombs onto it. Mm -hmm. So it could have been a very effective sea airplane, but mm -hmm. I think the politics got in the way of that. Of but course, had the yeah. money been there, run two squadrons of those on for another five or six years. Mm -hmm.